1: By Steve Spospatella, coming at you once again with Nathan Meffert of the Saint Maker. Nathan, welcome back. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. So this is part two for anybody not knowing this. Just me again, audio difficulties. So forgive me, Matt, uh, Nathan, for this. So let's go ahead back to what we were talking about. He does the Saint Maker. How's it been doing?
0: Yeah, it's going well. Um, so we we launched the uh, Spring Planner. Uh, it I think we, we had everything shipped out in time for April 1st. So the planner is uh, four editions per year. It's spring, summer, fall, and winter. And uh, we just, like I said, we just got the, the spring one out. I've got it right here. Here's the spring saint maker. Um, so everybody seems, I mean, not everybody, but almost everybody. I mean, I'm very surprised at, at how, how, warmly people have received this and everybody seems to be getting a lot out of it um you know we we talk about how the saint maker exists to help people grow in faith uh to meet goals and to restore the church so that's kind of my metrics it seems like everybody's that i've talked to seems very happy with it um so i'm pretty excited about that my main thing is is that that it helps people you know and that people find value in it so i'm Really happy to hear that people are are liking it. Uh, we're we're getting ready to. I have a I have a bunch more being delivered for the summer planner in just a few weeks here, so just staying busy, you know.
1: Yeah, we'll bring up the summer edition uh, later on, and the uh, little contest or challenge that you got on your website. But uh, you want to talk about Pentecost? Your wife wrote a blog on Candle Mass about all different things you can do as a family, traditions that we've forgotten about, etc. So uh, what is the baseline for this? Before we get into the traditions uh, that we have lost, that we can recover from everything from beer to praying on a hill to whatever you can, all these things that you've come up with or seen, not come up with, but found from other resources, yep. go ahead and give us a baseline for what we're bringing up.
0: Yeah. So um, it's important. So I, I want to say a couple of things here. So the feasts of the Church are always so if you have a very special day like pentecost or easter or feasts whatever uh, christmas or saint joseph um or the assumption there's always a a period of time to prepare there's always a time of intense preparation which is the vigil there's the feast itself and then at least in the pre really the pre-55 calendar but but to some extent the uh the, the, the traditional calendar, which is like the 1962 calendar, there's all there are octaves. So the octave is the eight days uh, following the feast. Um, and all that stuff has, you know, theological meaning, but one good way to think about it, like I said, is just a time of preparation, a time of intense preparation, the feast itself, and then the octave would be the sort of time of integration. That's how I think about it. Um, so So Pentecost we'll just talk a little bit about what Pentecost is and um, and some some other kind of useful information and facts kind of surrounding it that, that'll help kind of contextualize what we're going to get into next um, Pentecost is the event that happened so Easter happens well Christ is crucified he dies on Good Friday there are three days of of time that go by there's Easter Easter he's resurrected and then he's with us he's with the apostles for 40 days then the next event is the ascension so he ascends into heaven and then 10 days after the ascension is Pentecost so a good way to think about Pentecost is that it's really the, the completion of the work of redemption he dies for us He has to die. He he has to be resurrected. There has to be a time when he's uh, back on earth preparing the apostles for this specific event that happens at Pentecost, which is the coming of the Holy Ghost. So um, I think that when, when you think about Pentecost, you can really just think, you know, Christ ascended. Ten days later, he sent the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost basically was was the the power that was given to the that infused the consciences of the apostles gave them the ability to speak the languages of all the nations and essentially established the church's ability and and mission to go out and to evangelize the nations to spread the message of the gospel beyond uh, just the the Jews and to to uh, evangelize the the uh, the Gentiles. So, yeah. So the Pentecost is a very important day. Um, it it's uh, in it's actually considered to be the second most important uh, feast next to Easter. Although people would uh, would say that it was Christmas because that's one of the you know we emphasize it so so intensely. Uh, hi- historically, Pentecost was considered to be uh, just as or more important than uh, Christmas. So. Um, another interesting fact about Pentecost that I think is is helpful to kind of understand what's what we're going to talk about next is Pentecost is called Whit Sunday uh, traditionally. So if you look at a like the Father La Missile missal here, which is the pre fifty five Missile, it actually is the title of Pentecost is Whit Sunday. Um, so why is Pentecost called Whit Sunday? Uh, Whit Sunday means White Sunday, and What happens there is that the vigil mass, which is the it's the mass of the Saturday before Pentecost Sunday, actually ends up being almost like a mini Easter vigil. So what happens on the Easter vigil is obviously you bring in the cat, we bring the catechumens into the church and we baptize them. Um, For any catechumens that for whatever reason weren't baptized on Holy Saturday, uh, the vigil before Pentecost. Is the opportunity to do that. So, what you would see back in the day would have been new catechumens baptized on uh, the vigil mass of, of Pentecost, and then they would show up on Sunday with all their white robes on. And so you would, so that it ended up being called White Sunday. Uh, so you've got Whit Sunday, and then you've got the the octave afterwards, which is called Whitsuntide, which means White Sunday time. Essentially, so so that's kind of the basis of, of uh, what Pentecost is, um, you know, the some of the basic theology behind it, and then this alternative name of uh, Whit Sunday, you know.
1: All right. So there's this video out. There's it's an anti-Catholic. He's an idiot. He, his theology is terrible, but he has a great video about the traditions of Holy Week in Italy, Spain, etc. Nice. And for the whole Holy Week, they you know they're parading. Their processions are. Uh, six to eight hours and a day. They're holding, you know, 200 men are holding 2,000-pound flotillas. Each statue means something. they got their garb, uh, their penitential garb on. Uh actually got a couple behind me. You can see the uh, <laughs> uh, lighter thing. <laughs> now I got a candle with it. Uh oh, yeah, kids Yeah, totally. <laughs> but little babies wear stuff like this. They, they ended up... Uh, it shows them that they get the custom made uh, mm-hmm. and things like that. And there, you know, Italians got this chocolate covered uh, chocolate uh, egg that they put gifts in. Everyone mm-hmm. gives it to their families, kind of like Christmas. You crack the egg open. There's gifts in it. Um, fireworks, East uh, Easter night or Easter vigil night. Parties all day Easter. And yep. looking at it, thinking we're in the United States and we really got nothing like that. I mean, you go to mass hang out with family, that's it. No one calls you, no one has parties, no one does anything, really, Mm -hmm. compared to what the other guys, and especially in the old country, would do. What do people say like this, leading up to Pentecost, what can people do?
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, I I would like to put a fine point on what you're saying. I think it's actually very important. Like, the the fact that we, I mean, there's all this, data about, you know, belief in the real presence, et cetera, et cetera, it's a very, it's a very grim situation as we know. Right. So um, I think that it's, is it like, I, I ask myself regularly, you know, is there any kind of like connection between that rich cultural tradition that you just talked about and having that be intact and having people participating in that and the lack of that, where you really get this impression that, wet, you know, whether whatever whatever is said, it's like what we do is we go to mass and we basically, unless we have like a really rich par- prayer life, we're really putting in effort, you know, um, we tend to forget about it the rest of the week, you know. And that I think is somewhat natural, you know, because life gets in the way, but these feast days are like an exclamation mark in the middle, you know, at various times throughout the year that are a call to our attention to really sanctify that time. And, uh, I think, you know, as we'll kind of talk about, um, a lot of these traditions fell away as a result of pretty intense puritanical, uh, persecution, um, and just kind of smearing the church for doing things like having a, Having dances on feast days or selling beer um, or serving beer at parishes because how could those two things possibly go together? You know, how could you possibly worship and then in the same breath, you know, enjoy a beer with your friends? Uh, that just didn't make sense, I think, from from a puritanical perspective. And obviously, the United States is—I mean, we're not a strictly Catholic country here. <laughs> you know, our history is not that. Uh, so, we as Catholics, I, I do think it's kind of incumbent upon us to kind of recapture some of these things i mean that that might have something to do with you know looking back at you know where we came from and and pulling some traditions from from europe um or even borrowing in some cases but i don't think there's anything wrong with it these are catholic traditions you know and, and catholic means universal so i think it's i think it's pretty fair game and i i and we you know we talked before before we got rudely interrupted there, uh, about, uh, about joy. And I think this opportunity for us to bring joy into the practice of our faith, really, you know, um, that, you know, how are we supposed to evangelize? How are we supposed to, how is our lives as Catholics, how is that supposed to seem attractive to the world? Unless, unless we're, unless we approach it with some joy, um, like you had said, there's there's clearly like this sort of like rad trad moment that occasionally can be a little bit dour, in my opinion. But we need to be as, there are times when it's called for. There are times when we need to be potential. There are times when we need to be deeply interior, uh, clearly mortification. But we're also called to to celebrate and to smile and to rejoice. So, you know, those are two sides of the same coin.
1: Oh Um, yeah, I mean, St. Lawrence was joking about getting barbecued. I mean, yeah, people see me do the clown plant stuff. It's got some terrible things that I put in the thing. I'm laughing while I'm talking about it. We have fun here at the house. Uh, I remember like uh, my brother and I, a buddy of ours came up to us, man, y'all some weird trads. You guys laugh, joke and invite Protestants to mass and take them out for beers. There's some guys I know that think it's almost sinful to laugh, make a joke or smile. Uh yeah. it's yeah, you don't evangelize that way and, and the only thing they can do is complain about Vatican II or the the pope and things like that. I, I don't even want to talk about things like that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, exactly. Yeah.
1: How can a family bring joy into their life during the, the Pentecost season, the feast day yeah. and the season itself?
0: Yeah, yeah, I like what you said about, you know, just wanting to talk about Vatican 2. I think that's part of this thing too. You know, I just I'd like to provide, you know, over the course of this conversation, like you said, just some real practical tips for uh, for bringing joy and, uh, you know, just to get away from that. I mean, yeah, there are problems, but there's so we have such a rich tradition here. So, anyways, <laughs> we've hit all the problems. Everybody knows about the problems. Yeah, a million times. Exactly. <laughs> That's what the internet's for. <laughs> yeah.
1: Let's talk, let's talk about the problems to the second cup. That, that, that works yeah, out. Yeah. Exactly.
0: <laughs> all right. Anyway, so we'll get into it. So. Yeah, so like I said, there's a time of preparation. So another kind of theological point here is that, um, you know, when Christ ascended, which we actually celebrated yesterday, uh, that was the Feast of the Ascension. We're talking on May 14th here, which is Friday. So, um, of course, the Ascension is celebrated, you know, in the traditional calendar, and then the Ascension is, com- I think, it commemorated or celebrated on, Sunday in the new calendar. Just, uh, even, just a, the though,
1: USCCB did that because the yeah. quote-unquote Americans uh, were, it was too hard for them to go to mass twice this week. Yeah, it's so hard. That was, that was the reasoning <laughs> yeah. behind it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe for, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so, but the proper day is the Thursday, you know, is, was yesterday. So in the time between Thursday and the vigil of Pentecost that Saturday, there's an opportunity to pray a novena. And, and something that's, that's neat about, like I said, there's a theological note there, which is that Mary and the apostles went to the upper room immediately after the ascension, and they spent those next nine days praying. So actually that time was the original novena. So that's a perfect opportunity for us to also unite our intentions to you know that tradition of the church as well. Um so like I said, I think I mentioned it, the the novena to pray is the novena to the Holy Ghost. Um and I'm actually gonna I'm going to assemble a list of resources for for viewers of this podcast uh, at our website, saintmaker.com forward slash Pentecost. So there's gonna be links to all this stuff there. Um but yeah the novena to the Holy Ghost, uh, to pray that with the family. Um Another thing that you can do um, that's kind of a newer thing, but I think is worth, really worth considering. It seems like a great idea. We haven't done this, but I think it would, I think it would be an excellent uh, exercise. If you go outside and gather, just basically it's like a Pentecost wreath instead of an Advent wreath, right? So go outside and gather some greens. You could get some, some pine boughs, um, other, other fresh greenery. And uh, and the reason for there's actually there's actually a reason for the green. Um, for one, uh, green is the liturgical color of Pentecost uh, in the Byzantine right? So uh, so it's kind of a nod to the Byzantines. Um, also, green is the color of ordinary time, uh, which it, or the time in the traditional calendar is called the time after Pentecost. So so we're getting into that now. Um, and then green is the is the color of new life. So. Um, so get some greens and then get, I would say, set, get seven uh, red candles and set it up in the form of like a wreath. And then I would then every night in the seven days leading up to uh, the vigil, including the vigil, um, light one of those candles. So you'd be praying the novena, you'd light one of the candles, and then there's a book that I want to recommend, which is called The Seven Gifts of the Holy Spirit by Kevin Vost. Kevin Voss is an excellent Thomistic thinker. He's his book, the, all of his books, um, I don't have any here. Uh, all of his books are very rigorous, but very readable. Uh, they're all, it's just, it's basically Aquinas just in, in much clearer language. Uh, so I, I recommend getting that book. And then on those seven days, you know, as you pray the novena and light the candle also, you know, read about the seven gifts of the Holy ghost from Kevin Voss book. Um, That'd be an excellent way to to prepare, um, and then obviously, so, so I talked about sort of that general time of preparation, but then there's the intense preparation, uh, which is the vigil. So there's the vigil mat, there's the vigil, uh, Pentecost vigil, before Pentecost, the feast of Pentecost, which is the Saturday, right? So uh, on that Pentecost vigil, um, that's actually traditionally a day of fasting. So if you want to get you know real serious about not just preparing the home. And, you know, like with decorations and, and things like that, especially you're going to have friends over on Pentecost Sunday, which we'll talk about. Um, prepare your soul, you know, uh, through fasting. Um, and that that actually, um, like I said, traditionally was a day of fasting, a required day of fasting. Um, you, I think in the United States we got a, uh, we got, what do you, what is it? Permission or what's the word? Uh a uh, special allowance to uh, instead of go full abstinence, we get to do partial abstinence. And I think that was in you know the early sixties. So that'd be a good thing to do, you know, fast on that Saturday and then uh, do a, a partial abstinence day. Um, and then, yeah, you're pretty well prepared for Pentecost at that point.
1: Okay, so Pentecost comes, you go to mass, you come back with some uh, traditional ideas drinks-wise, food-wise, party-wise, ideas yep. to, to to celebrate the day?
0: Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so you go to Mass, you, you come back. Again, I'd say don't try to have a feast unless you put some effort into it today or two before because uh, it's not going to be much of a feast. I mean, you're probably going to end up ordering McDonald's or something. But uh, like I said, everything's preparation in, in certain ways. So... Yeah. The day, the day of Pentecost, I would say, invite some friends over and, uh, there, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, in the old country, oftentimes what you would see is, is a nice roast, like a meat roast, or, uh, actually I wanted to, there's a little, there's a neat little passage here, um, that I wanted to read. Uh, yeah. So uh, no, no, no. Here we go. Okay. So this is from a book called Cooking for Christ by Florence Berger. Uh, this book's actually out of, uh, it's out of publish. It's, it's no longer published, but they, they did an updated version, uh, which you can find. You're
1: going to put it um, in your
0: uh, resource page? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll be on the resource page. So she writes In England, the Pentecost dinner was crowned with a roasted goose stuffed to bursting with uh, apples and onions and sage. In France, cold meat pies and galantine were packed into picnic baskets. And the entire family went off for a day in the woods. In Germany, great dishes of sauerkraut were accompanied by partridges or bratwurst, depending on the purse of the host. Obviously, how much money they have. In the Netherlands, Wit Sunday was a family outing day when everyone put on his new spring clothes and feasted. Uh, so that gives you right there are some good ideas for kind of entrees. Um, if you have German background, you know, make some sauerkraut with bratwurst. You know if you're if you're french make make some meat pies if you're you know if your family's from England, grab a goose i mean something I've always wanted to do is try to actually hunt a goose and you know pull it out for one of these feasts, but I haven't got around to that yet um if you're from Jersey, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> What do you do if you're from Jersey? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get just some, like...
1: kidding, you're buying Jersey. No,
0: I was thinking, you know, as an American, a good steak obviously is never going to fail you, uh-huh. you know? Um, so, so that'd be a good, good, good kind of like main course to plan for. I think the other thing, you kind of look at decoration a little bit, which I would say is another kind of thing to prepare for. Um, traditionally, people would hang a little wooden painted dove above their uh above their table and that would stay there throughout the octave so the dove is obviously a symbol of the holy ghost um so stick that wooden dove up there and then also when you're serving the meal have some white linens and those white linens uh, are really they recall they kind of like point to the uh the baptismal robes that that i mentioned so what about so that's this, kind of yeah. go ahead
1: what about this dove cake you got on here
0: The dove cake. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So now you're talking dessert. So that's Oh, that's dessert. Yeah, yeah. So so you got your uh yeah, your your settings, you got your uh we talked entrees, now we're gonna talk dessert. So
1: well I'm saving beer for last.
0: Yeah, no, I (laughs) drinks are the best part, so we're saving those for last. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, so Jordan did a little my wife Jordan did a little bit of research and she found uh she found out that you know typical Typical desserts uh, for Pentecost would be custards, cheesecakes. Um, I've seen a lot of American Catholics create strawberry cakes, which makes sense because the color's red. So, you know, you could clearly, like, arrange strawberries in a way that look kind of like flames or something. I think that could be cool. Um, There's this French cake. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it, but it translates to dove cake for Pentecost. It's an almond cake. Um, and that is, this is, typically made in the uh, south of France. So, yeah, there's recipes for, that. like I said, like like Steve mentioned, there's going we have that uh, resources page. So there'll be a, a, link to a recipe there for that. Yeah. So, so at that point you're doing pretty well. You got your roast, or your steak, or your, you know, uh, your uh, meat pie, and then you've got your custards, your uh, Pentecost cake. Another thing you could do is you could make a 12 fruit salad, which would kind of be a neat way to uh to point to the 12 fruits of the uh the 12 fruits of the Holy Spirit uh as well. So yeah, so that's your food. You want to talk drinks? Now? Get in the
1: good stuff. All
0: right, all right. <laughs> yeah, that's what we've been waiting for. I mean, so I'm gonna actually start off with a plug for this book. Um, this is a link. Steve, we we talked about this already, but this will be another link on the resources page. This is a book that everybody should know. Uh, my priest actually recommended this to me during marriage prep. So th- there's another example, of, you know. I have it next to God.
1: my whiskey Bible, and literally there is a whiskey Bible. It shows you all the good whiskeys around the world. <laughs> I see. I see.
0: Well, this like a perfect example of you know how, like for me to be in marriage prep and for my Catholic priest to be like, yeah, you need to get this book about you know how to make good cocktails. It just you know we we have fun we, we don't not have fun <laughs> there's all kinds of opportunities to enjoy you know uh, the creation so so this is a great book and the way it's laid out is you've just got all these different feast days um, most feast days throughout the year and what they did is they give a little history so here's Saint Joseph um, they give a little history and then they suggest uh, different drinks that would be help you know good kind of like liturgically uh correct <laughs> uh drinks for for that feast day so yeah so we're gonna i'm gonna list a few from from this book uh uh in relationship to pentecost here so um
1: that's, that's awesome that your marriage prep uh, told you your priest told you to get that don't get the christopher west joviness stuff Get the, get, get the drink with the saints. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I knew I was in the right uh, marriage prep. You know, at that point. <laughs> Good on him. I mean, it was. I mean, he had this in one hand, and then uh Casty Kanubi in the other hand. So hey, that, hey, was, that uh,
1: works. There you go. Yeah, that's how you do it. <laughs> so throughout the rest of the week, uh, what do you do? Because Pentecost, you know, it's just not just one day. What do you do for the oh, rest of the week?
0: You're jumping. You miss the drinks.
1: Oh, I, I, oh my, I, my bad. Go back to the
0: yeah, drinks. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah we got to talk drinks, Steve. Slow down there, buddy. Um, all right, so this is how I would do it. So prior to dinner, there's a drink that you can serve called the Green Ghost Cocktail. So the idea there, like I said, green is the sort of Byzantine color. So there's a nod to the, to the Eastern Church. The... You got the ghost in there, so you got the green, the ghost, uh, the green ghost cocktail. And what it consists of is this gin, green chartreuse, which is actually made by the Carthusian monks in France. Have you ever had chartreuse, Steve?
1: Uh-huh. I have, yeah. long What's ago, that? Long ago, yeah, ago. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, so you get some gin, some chartreuse, and some lime juice, shake it up, and then you can serve that prior to dinner. That's a nice sort of, it'll get the appetite going and, you know, really, like, spend an hour having cocktails and serve that. And then with dinner, um, did we already talk about Whitsun Ale? Or no, you just that, brought
1: up wit, uh, wit Sunday, but you didn't bring up the ale yet.
0: Yeah, so, so Whitsun Ale has an interesting history. Whitsun Ale is the beer that was specifically brewed for Pentecost. And what would happen is the, the lay people within the parish would get together. They would brew this stuff. And then they would sell it at the celebration, at the parish celebration on with Sunday or, or Pentecost Sunday. And so that the money from, from that beer would go to the poor originally and then later to, to support the parish. Now that the drinking of the beer often went hand in hand with with, with dancing. Uh, and there's this dance called the Morris dance. That's like, I think that's like a European dance, but there's other forms of traditional dance and went along with this type of thing. And like I was saying, the the Puritans and the Protestants would look at this and they would say, hey, like, how can you possibly worship and dance and drink all on the same property? The church property, you know, it's it's a desecration. And so that was used as a smear against the church. And over time, a lot of this stuff kind of fell out of favor, you know. I mean, it's basically politically incorrect kind of, you know. Thinking, um, but Witzen Ale was the was the beer that was served. So Witzen is still available. Um, there are breweries throughout the United States that that still make it. Um, shout out to Arcadia Brewery in Grand Rapids, which is in my neck of the woods. Um, they make a great uh, Whitson. If you can't find Whitson Ale, um, you would uh, you could get just like a summer wheat ale, um, or white wine would make sense too because obviously you know the uh the white of the catechumens i guess you get red wine too because the the liturgical color is red so you can get creative but i would try to serve the wits with dinner uh and some white wine and then after dinner um you know you finish your meal clean up you have your uh french cake whatever that stuff's called (laughs) the uh dove cake and then uh serve some blackberry brandy with some nutmeg and that's called a windy corner so the idea behind that is as they mentioned in this book um the the windy noise that sort of announced the coming of the holy ghost uh in the upper room so so there's your three drinks you know you should be pretty good and toasty by the time the uh, the evening's over and as always in moderation in moderation yeah of course, of course So what would uh otherwise you're just gonna be back at back at the confessional, you know, and that's nobody (laughs) wants that.
1: (laughs) Do you have anything for the rest of the week? For the whole week in general, uh, for the octave.
0: Yeah, definitely. Actually, um something I wanted to kind of point at here about the octaves. There's a real interesting history. Uh the prior to um 19 Let's see. I think it was prior to yeah, prior to 1955, there were actually 18 octaves celebrated throughout the year. Um, and if like I this this missile, the Father of the Sons missile has, I haven't counted them, but it, I believe all the missiles are present. Or sorry, all the octaves are present. Um, and in 1955, Pius the um, 12th reformed the liturgy, and that was that was when the uh, the old Holy Week was replaced with a kind of revised Holy Week. Um, and then there were quite a few other changes, but it wasn't quite um, it wasn't quite uh, you know that, that was sort of the beginning of the, of the uh, of the liturgical reforms that that happened leading up to Vatican II. But some, one of the main changes that was made in 1955 was that uh, fifteen of those octaves were removed. So all we had left, after that was Pentecost, uh, Easter, and Christmas. Now with Vatican II, uh, Pentecost was removed, so the Pentecost octave doesn't exist in the new calendar. It does exist in the sort of in the 1962 calendar, and then all the other octaves exist in the pre 55 calendar. So even though you know we're not celebrating it uh, in the in the Current form of the mass, I would definitely encourage people to just, whether you attend a traditional parish or not, just take those eight days and and do some reflection and uh, and and really you know try to try to recognize and celebrate that that something huge just happened. Um, so, I think that's kind of like an interesting history um, in terms of stuff that you can yeah do uh, during the octave. Um, I would aim to read the daily readings. There is a prayer, the Veni Creator Spiritus, which is actually um, recited during the Pentecost Mass. Um, Actually, as a side note, um, if you recite the Veni Creator Spiritus on Pentecost, um, you can get it. You can actually gain a plenary in uh, plenary indulgence um, through just basically. If people don't know what that would be you you essentially you know you want to go to confession uh sometime around then you want to recite the veni creator spiritus on pentecost receive communion um pray for the intentions of the pope and uh and just really try to detach yourself from sin which is obviously the hard part but uh, all that stuff could be done on the sunday of pentecost if you wanted to to get that indulgence but the uh the, the reason I brought up the Veni Creator Spiritus is because you could go ahead and pray that, um, you know, every night around the Pentecost wreath, um, which we, you know, set up in the days leading up to Pentecost. So, you know, gather the family uh, during the octave, read the daily readings, uh, pray the Veni Creator Spiritus, and then there's also a meal blessing, which I'm going to, let me find that real quick here. Uh, there's a meal blessing specific to Pentecost. Where'd that go oh uh, I don't know I, I can't find oh here it is okay uh, I'm not going to attempt to read it in Latin uh, so i'll I'll read it in English uh, the spirit of the Lord has filled the world hallelujah and that which contains all things knows every language spoken by men hallelujah so that's the first couple lines from the intro of the uh, Pentecost mass it's also Psalm 67. Um, so that'd be a good thing to read at night, uh, with the family. And then, uh, yeah, or, or I'm sorry, not to read at night. That's at the meals. Um, would but, you, uh, do yeah. the
1: Morris dance every day?
0: <laughs> the Morris dance every day. I don't know about every day. Or watch the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So what Steve is referring to, there's this dance called the Morris dance. That was like an English dance, uh, a traditional dance uh, that was typically, like I said, performed on Pentecost Sunday uh, as they were drinking Whitsun, Ale, which I, sounds pretty good to me. I mean, uh, you know, there's a another book I wanted to reference since you brought up the Morris dance uh, is this book. This is uh have you seen this book, Steve? Yes, I have it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great book. Um, if no one knows Marie-Van, about us, it's the
1: song of music people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Marie Vaughn, she's the sound of music lady. Uh, she's also my wife Jordan has read all of her books at this point and and the Von Trapp family is just amazing. Maria Von Trapp is I mean she I don't she's like my she's like my Catholic woman hero. I mean she's 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 amazing. Uh, she's an amazing lady. I mean they, the the way they responded to to nazism and the way that they re- established a new life in the United States and and tried to bring the traditions from the old country over here. I mean they're really like role models for that type of thing. Um, but in terms of dancing, she's like really keen on dancing. Uh, she writes, um, although America is spoken of as a new country, everything American once came from an old country, it would be most interesting and rewarding if every family would search earnestly for the folk dances of its own people, uh-huh. its ancestors. Let us think of the wonderful entertainment at a parish party. If people were to contribute a folk dance from their country, from the country, their family came from. Of course, in the national costume. So there's a challenge for you, Steve.
1: Yeah, you get a lot of trans that are hate dancing, again, with laughing anything else. But no, we're not talking about what you see on movies or the nightclubs or anything like that. We're talking about, you know, like Irish folk dancing, yeah. uh, polka, I guess. I, I don't know, the, yeah, the yeah. Morris
0: dance. Totally. Yeah, There's so there's a link to the Morris dance if people want to check it out. I thought it would be fun to just learn a few steps and just like, you know, try to teach it to your friends on the Pentecost. Are you Tuesday able to show days. us
1: the audience now? Any of that?
0: You want, can I share my screen? Can I do that? I'll uh, just
1: throw it out there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I can't do that. I, I'm not technically. <laughs> that out. But yeah, check this. I would highly recommend this book for, for folks. Uh, she's, she's an amazing lady. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the dancing thing—it's funny. Like the whole thing about um, about joyfulness, you know. I, again, it's like, what, what's the deal with just wanting to to cut that off at the root every single time? I, I, I mean, I don't know. Another thing is like, how do you keep the kids involved? You know, <laughs> it's, well, like, it's just the, like the, the, love this type of thing. It's just like throwing the baby
1: out with the bathwater, we just—if something wrong happened, we just throw it all out instead of. Hey, yeah. let's get rid of the bad stuff in it and keep the good stuff. We just, at, it's all bad. And it's, yeah, we're
0: talking about like, you know, like uh, dancing on the altar or something. I mean, you know, yeah. we there was that video that came out recently, that whole like crazy dance that, did you see that? The, yeah,
1: yes. Yeah. So I, yeah. I tried to eradicate that in my head, but I haven't worked yet. <laughs> sorry. sorry. I think I need to get you. some Ale to, to help
0: me so, with this. Well, I would argue, I would argue, I think it's, fairly self-evident that until you start restoring some true catholic culture like Mm -hmm. outside of the mass like in the parish hall you know or at the homes you're gonna i think people i think that kind of stuff's going to continue to happen you know you're going to continue to see people trying to bring really weird stuff into the mass that just doesn't belong there Uh, so i would argue that doing some of this is a way to kind of move away from that because there's we have a desire to celebrate, you know, it's, and it's fine, but you know, it, it it just, there's a time and a place for it, you know?
1: So I got to ask you about the Baltimore Oriole. Yeah. What, what, why is that on the list?
0: (laughs) So yeah, the Oriole, uh, was, the Oriole was is called the Fingsten bird in Germany and Fingsten is Pentecost. So, uh, it's actually Fingsten Vogel. That's, that's the, that's how you say it in German. Uh, so I, th- I think the main reason for that is, is because the bird arrives from its breeding grounds, or not, I'm sorry, from its wintering grounds uh, around Pentecost. Huh. So I think oftentimes people would see the, the oriole arriving at the same time that Pentecost came. And uh, yeah, so that's, that's, it ended up being called the Pentecost bird. It also is, I mean, it looks like a flame, there's a lot of bright orange on it. So maybe that had something to do with it as well. But, uh, yeah, we have a Oriole in this country. Uh, and so I was, one of the things that I, I have on the list here is to, to learn to identify the Oriole, uh, which there's a link, there'll be a link in the resources. You can learn to, to identify the sound. You know, I was talking about things that, that get kids psyched. Um, I, you know, the, there's, there's, there's a whole other thing that you could do, which is you could walk out early in the morning on Pentecost. Traditionally, there was this kind of way, way of seeing Pentecost morning as like a very special time in nature when, when nature was kind of like rejoicing as well, you know, which is, you know, that's part of, that's part of the faith that, that Christ's redemption is the redemption of the world. It, it, he, he sanctifies everything. So, um, my suggestion was, yeah, walk out in the morning on Pentecost and, uh, and, you know, enjoy the morning. Say your morning prayers outside. And if you have kids, teach them to identify the sound of that bird and, and maybe to identify it by sight. And they can listen for it on the way. Because if way you watch the place.
1: baseball team, their official sound is choking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally.
0: Yeah, don't, don't make that sound.
1: <laughs> All right. Well, talk about your summer edition coming out.
0: Yeah, let me just quickly say one other thing about this, the octave, real quick. I, I won't get into detail on it, but it's important. I think it's good to mention um, Ember Days. There's there's Pentecost Ember Days in the midst of the Pentecost Octave. So, and the reason for that is, well, there's always Ember Days every season, and and basically, Penteco- uh, Ember Days are a time to kind of be thankful for the harvest, um, specifically fruits and and plants that are used in the liturgy. So wheat olives grapes and flowers um pentecost is the time to 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 give thanks for the uh, the wheat harvest because that's when the winter wheat is is uh, becoming ripe and so the wheat is obviously used to make the eucharist so um that's ember days is wednesday friday and saturday and those are days of fasting traditionally um, in addition to giving thanks for the harvest it's a time to pray for priestly uh ordination or you know priestly vocations um actually that saturday after pentecost um, was traditionally the the time when most of the priestly ordinations happened so even though you're in a time of sort of celebrating the coming of the Holy ghost during that octave it's also a time to fast and to really unify ourselves spiritually with the the new the new uh ordinations so i would definitely recommend that uh you know, if people haven't haven't uh, haven't uh, celebrated, I guess you can say Ember Days. Well, there there's your there's your penitence in the midst of joy, right there. Mm-hmm. You know? so. Exactly. Yeah. So, anyways, you yeah, you were asking about the summer.
1: Yes. Uh, summer. Promote your uh, summer planner
0: and uh, I mean, what
1: uh, what the contest is, the challenge.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So we're we are. In the final stages of our pre-order for our summer Saint Maker planner. So if you guys haven't seen my the original interview with Steve, we went into detail on how the planner works. Uh, But this is the Saint Maker right here. This is the spring version. I'm filling mine out diligently. I've got my seasonal journal, my uh goals, my daily journals. One thing that I'll just quickly point out that's very much related to what we're talking about here is uh, the uh, devotions for each month. So there are three months in each planner, um, and the, each of these boxes represents a feast day. So right there you can see, can you see that? See it's uh-huh. yeah. Pentecost. And then we've got the octave of Pentecost, and then we've got Ember, uh, Pentecost Ember Days. So those are all things that we've you know, gone over. And that's part of why I wanted to do this because although there are tips here on how to how to celebrate the, uh, the feast days we can't go into a ton of detail so I wanted I was hoping this could be a you know resource that people could keep coming back to um, to celebrate Pentecost but anyways yeah if you want to do more kind of structuring of your time with feast days and and meeting personal goals and and just really developing a, a deep prayer life I would say check check out our saint maker catholic life planner um like like we were like i was saying we're, we're getting ready to uh to ship our summer planner um just in time for the start date of uh july 1st but um our pre-order ends in and there's a 20 percent discount during pre-order uh that ends in about 20 days i can't remember exactly 17
1: days um, 10 hours 33 minutes and five seconds
0: 17 yeah we got a countdown on the Owens website County. Steve's just got it up constantly and just watching it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, so yeah, once, once the pre-order ends, it's going to go back up to full price, which is so pre-order price is 39 99. Um, The full price is 49 99. And then normally we have a, uh, um, a yearly subscription, but we're not currently, we're not offering the yearly subscription, although we will offer that again, uh, soon here. So yeah, that's, that's the, uh, that's the saint maker. And then like, like we talked about, there's going to be this resources page. If you guys go to the website, the saint com forward slash Pentecost that has all the resources you need uh, to just, you know, kind of to, to do some of what we've been talking about here and, and to bring the liturgy home a little bit more. Um, and then the last, Oh yeah, the challenge. Right. So anybody who has, bought the saint maker and is currently using it has the opportunity to uh win a summer saint maker and what we did there is we set up a little challenge because um i'm going to go to the saintmaker.com and then if you go to the home page um and look in the top right corner there's a there's a link there that says win a saint maker so if you click on that um this is for, like I said, people who are currently using it. Um, if, you, if you enter that contest, we ask you to submit a photo of yourself using it, to, to leave a testimonial, and uh, to potentially send us like a little testimonial video. So, you know, you want to go the extra distance, you want to enter yourself in the contest and potentially win a, win a Saint Maker, that's the way to do it. And the URL there is, other than going to the homepage and clicking the link, uh dot com forward slash challenges. So that's the deal.
1: Very good. Well, submit your entries and uh, win yourself a win yourself a copy or buy one and win one and then give it away to another friend of yours.
0: Yeah, do do all of, all of the above.
1: <laughs> well, Nathan, I appreciate you coming on. That was very good.
0: Yeah, good talking to you, Steve. I enjoyed it, and
1: we'll do it next time. I'm sure. What's what's the next season? Autumn or uh, you got one for the fall? I guess. No, what's
0: after What's after summer? fall, yeah, fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we'll do something in the fall
1: oh cool all right man we well, appreciate it and uh, yeah talk soon good talking to you see you